The following segment is from the off-day debrief on the SB Nation NFL Show, where we're discussing your favorite team. Subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Show to make sure you don't miss conversations like this one. There are five dysfunctional situations that I have power ranked in terms of how much they impact the team this season and how much they impact the team going forward. Call me on it if you think this is my Niners, you know, homerdom, but I think the Mm. Seahawks situation with Jamal Adams and Dwayne Brown is, it's just a bad look. I think it's the most dysfunctional situation right now because it involves Adams, it involves Brown, and it involves Russell Wilson, who has chimed in in Dwayne Brown's corner now saying that they have to get it fixed, that he looks like a 28-year-old out there instead of a 35-year-old. Obviously, we know he had complained about the offensive line earlier this offseason and all the sacks he's taking. Well, if Dwayne Brown is not there, forget it. You are not going to get your wish for a more improved offensive line. I don't like anything happening in Seattle. Pete Carroll's getting snippy when he's asked about Jamal Adams. It's just a bad look in the Pacific Northwest. So kind of putting this back into the conversation that we had about the Patriots and like the timeline and everything here. I mean, the Seahawks are clearly in a winning window. Like They have to win now. So that's why I think Dwayne Brown, for example, and Jamal Adams, too, like they have leverage. They know they can like say what they're saying and do what they're doing, Mm -hmm. because what's the Seahawks alternative? Not have supporting weapons for Russell Wilson as you're trying to win another title. And not that his window is super closing, but, you know, it's been a long time now since they won that first one. It's been, what, eight years or so? Uh, Like that's forever in the NFL. So. Uh, and obviously, Pete Carroll is not getting any younger as well here. So I, I feel like it's a situation where the players know they have the leverage and they're going to try to maximize, maximize that, which is good for them. Um, but it's not good for the Seahawks. Like they, I think it's a position where what else can they really do but cave? Like How are they going to hold firm on this? And especially Jamal Adams. I mean, you give up multiple first-round picks to acquire Jamal Adams and then you don't re-sign him and you just let him go. Like He has massive leverage. I feel like what Seattle should say when it comes to him is they should Mm kind of say kind of what you were talking about with the Saints. Like, hey, we thought Jamal Adams was going to be the finishing piece, the cherry on top of the Sunday that was going to get us over the hump and get us to the Super Bowl. It didn't work out that, was, you know, we rolled the dice. We came up snake eyes. And that's, you know, that's the price we have to pay. But I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to try and basically throw good money after bad and say, okay, Jamal, here's your top-of-the-market safety contract, which I think long-term is not in their best interest. But in terms of leverage, I feel like it's all in Adam's court. It's a classic sunk cost fallacy stats. Yes. It's like, oh, well, we made this trade. Now we have to pay him, even though we probably shouldn't. Although I fear, I kind of wonder, like, do they think that? Do they think, like, we probably shouldn't pay him? Uh, so I kind of wonder about that. But, yeah, I think it all goes back to Russ and kind of trying to keep him happy. I think that's the cost of doing business. You know, we talk about you know player movement and quarterbacks and everything. Like, part of what you're paying for when you're paying Jamal Adams could be to keep Russell Wilson happy. So in that case, like, you could argue – I, obviously, in a vacuum, it's not worth paying Jamal Adams that money. But if it if it means that Russell Wilson doesn't want to be there, which it already seems like that is the case. I mean, not right now. Obviously, he's there for this season. Um, he's not he's not getting moved at this point. But beyond this year, uh, and you know, and relationships being fractured in the long term, uh, it doesn't really help. Well, let me ask you sort of the same question that we talked about with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't seem like Russ wants to be there. What is going to change that? Is it only a Super Bowl win this year? Because it's not like the Seahawks are not going to the playoffs every year. They are. 
They're going to the playoffs, so they're just losing before they get to the Super Bowl. So what's going to change with another season like that between Russ and the Seahawks? I think it kind of comes down to what some of the Rodgers stuff was, or at least what he talked about, the quote, respect, end quote, line about, because even going back to the interviews that Russell Wilson was doing earlier in the offseason, there were questions about like how involved, you know, he potentially wanted to be in personnel. And there were conversations about that. So I think it's kind of him being involved in that process and really uh, in, in a position to where he feels like the team is doing what he wants them to do, um, which I don't think is really the best way to run a team in general. But again, if you're trying to keep that franchise quarterback, then you're kind of t- in a tough spot. It's one thing to say for a quarterback to say, hey, give up a late round pick to get Randall Cobb and that'll keep me happy. <laughs> it's another thing to say, hey, pay a top of the market safety contract to Jamal Adams, a guy that can't really cover and is known for his pass rushing. So like what you have to do to keep that quarterback happy is a, is a major factor in terms of like how much influence you want him to have. And then if you if you recognize that signing Jamal Adams to that contract is not a good idea. How do you then finesse that with Russ? How do you explain that to him and yet still make him feel like he's been heard? I don't know. So this might kind of be like the uh, Packers territory here stats where the Seahawks, uh, you know, you expect them to be good because guess what? They've always been good with Russell Wilson. It's hard to really bank on otherwise. And then obviously Pete Carroll being there too. So, but like if those cracks start to form, it's like, does this thing go sideways fast? And I think um, looking at this too, I meant to bring it up in the context of the Saints. Like right now, we're all going into the season knowing what we know about these teams and looking at the history and thinking because the Packers and Seahawks and Saints to some extent have been good in the past, it's going to happen again. But as again, I'm mentioning Pete again here, big shout out to Pete, big big win for him getting mentioned on the on the podcast, uh, is that like, you know, we have our ideas about our preconceived notions going into week one and then week one happens and then everything changes as soon as then. So uh, I think reality could bite hard. And I also think it could be very clear in hindsight with these things. It's like, oh, yeah, no wonder why the Packers or the Seahawks or the Saints or maybe all three, maybe not, not all three likely, but some combination of the three. Oh, yeah, they didn't have good years. This was very clear in hindsight that things weren't all right there and there was bad vibes and bad juju. You can hear the rest of this conversation by subscribing to the SB Nation NFL Show wherever you get your podcasts.